you mentioned persecution and martyrdom in your last answer with regard to Ignatius and Polycarp, and then you, in chapter 4, get into what took place in Lyon. I think that's modern-day France and the persecution that was going on there. You said that the Christians there, uh, they were confronted by officials demanding that they answer one question. Are you a Christian? As Eusebius, a historian, records before this jeering mob and before that power, these power-wielding officials, the Christians confessed. They confessed to no great crime against the Roman emperor or against the Roman Empire. They confessed to no great crime against their neighbors. They simply confessed that they were Christians, that they were followers of Christ. For this, they were tossed back into prison. All of this was contrary to Roman law, even a mockery of the law. Then you go on to say in the next page about how martyrdom came, I think, for 45 of them, and they were just turned on in a terrible way by their neighbors in Lyon. And in reading this book, you know, in a way, you know, you think about Fox's Book of Martyrs, and there's there's a hint of that in some of the stories uh, you share in this book about these these earlier Christians and persecution and martyrdom seems to be a a recurring pattern for Christians. How can Christians today who live in America or in the Western world where there isn't this kind of, yeah, there may be some persecution, but martyrdom is, that's for another part of the world, you know, I think we think. How can we be ready today for what Christians throughout history have, you know, commonly experienced? Mm, That's a great question. What we assume as the normal experience is probably the opposite for most Christians through the centuries. And and for most Christians through the centuries, they have been on those margins of society and have suffered physical persecution or even martyrdom. I think the lesson for us is that ultimately Christianity is about convictions. And there needs to be a certain courage for those convictions, not a courage that is sort of worked up you know, within, like we have the ability, and because of our abilities, we are courageous, you know, like going out on the athletic field, <laughs> you know, your courage comes from your practice and your your honing your skills. It, it's a courage that comes from knowing that ultimately God is on the throne, uh, that ultimately God's word will not return void, and that ultimately God will accomplish his purposes. And so what that does is that gives us a, a power of courage to hold our convictions, no matter what. And when you see Christians in the past who've put, been put to the ultimate test, and they were willing to die for their faith, I think what that does is that helps us realize we might not be called upon to die for our faith, but we are called upon every day to live for our faith mm. and to live our convictions with a boldness and a courage. And I think that's especially true as we find ourselves in shifting times. We talk about you know post-Christian culture, whatever that may mean. What does it mean not to be a cultural Christian? But what does it mean to be a Christian committed to biblical convictions and living that out? every day, to our neighbors, to our family, in our workplace. I think that requires a certain courage, and uh, we can learn that uh, from church history and from the example of these martyrs. Mm. 